0: hey everyone good morning morning. everybody say "Hi, hi jeff thank you so much i feel so welcome you guys are so kind wow Amazing. Uh, my name's Jeff. I'm the executive director of Phoenix One. Uh, I got to teach here this summer when Scott was on sabbatical. And what we do, what I do, what our organization does, is we work with pastors who are really hurting. Uh, in fact, the last couple months, uh, we've had to spend some time with some churches, whole churches that are kind of exploding as a result of hurting staff, hurting senior leadership. And so it's so nice to come to a church where you're like, your leadership is doing great. I'm telling you, just spending time with Scott, hearing his stories about after sabbatical. I'm just so excited for this local church and for your leadership. And uh, I'm really, really excited to be here with you all today um here's what we're going to do jonah 3 if you have your bibles we're going to have it on the screen here's what i'd like you to do i'm not going to read it i'm going to have you read it i'm going to have you read it and then i'm going to do a little response thing after that but what are some observations what are you seeing as you read through jonah 3 and then we're going to talk about that in a sec i'm going to give you like three to five minutes to read it what are some things that you see here in this passage All right, so what did you see? As you were kind of going through this passage, what are some things that stood out to you? Now, I know this is usually my time to go teach you. This is your time to teach me, okay? So what did you learn? Just go ahead and yell it out. Jonah finally obeys God, good. Repentance. Amends? Yes, amends. God's mercy, very good. What else? Gotcha. Jonah gets a second chance and it's the second chance is represented in the Ninevites, right? Okay, great. Yeah, great. What else? Hope. Powerful word, isn't it? Dangerous too. Yeah. What else? What do you see in the passage? Short speech, big results. Kapow. That's great. Fasting and sorry? Yes, the men and the beasts all repent, right? Who knew? Animals. I'd like my animals to repent sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody else? Obedience. 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 When I was uh, when I was a kid, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, in fact, we used to go to Goodwill. I always tell my kids, you have it so good. We used to go to Goodwill to get our underwear, okay? So that's where I got my underwear growing up. So we didn't have a lot of money, but there were two birthdays that I remember, uh, and one of them was my dad took me to this magical place, called Toys R Us. And I went into Toys R Us and he said, pick out a bike, right? I was getting older. I was using a bike with the pedal brakes. You know what I'm talking about? And he was like, BMX bikes in the 80s were like the thing. And some of you know, some of you kids are like, what's a BMX bike? Um... And it was like the thing. So I walk in and I saw this chrome beauty. This bike was called the Viper, the Diamondback Viper, all chromed out. And it had a handbrake and the pedals would go like this. They wouldn't, you didn't have like pedal brakes. And so I brought that home. My dad put it together and we lived at the highest point in our city. Literally, our house was at the highest point in the city. On either side was a slope. At the bottom of the slope was a park. Now my parents and I and our family, I have two sisters would go down to the park every Sunday after church and have kind of a family day. And so um, my dad was getting my sisters ready and he said, look, don't take the bike. You're not strong enough yet for the handbrakes. Don't take the bike, it's gonna go bad. And I, in my mind, I was like, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. I'm a BMX rider, okay? And so um, he went and has taken care of my sisters and I was like, forget dad. And then I got on my bike. And to be honest, it was awesome, so awesome right and as i was heading down this hill everything was awesome now i did not do well in school i have to admit but i do know something about a a, a term in physics called terminal velocity (laughs) terminal velocity is when you go from having fun on a hill on a bike to oh my gosh i'm going to die okay so i was having so much fun and then what hit terminal Terminal velocity hit and i was like ah Right, so I reverted back to old bike technology which was what you slam on the brakes except it doesn't work and honestly the pedal came back and this pedal had teeth on it and it bit me in the shin the viper bit me, so now I'm bleeding, I'm screaming, I'm going to die as I'm heading down this hill. I hit the road, so it wasn't like a gradual. I hit the road, I flew over the handlebars, through, you ever have these slow moment moments in your life, right? You're like, oh no, right? I flew through the briar bush, landed on my back, and I passed out. And here's what I remember upon waking up. I deserve this. I deserve this I didn't listen to my dad He told me what to do And I didn't care I did what I wanted to do How I wanted to do it And I I deserve to be here I belong here um, we've talked, this book, Jonah is so near and dear to my heart. And in fact, the prophets, I've been in the prophets for about the last three years, just studying mainly because stuff, I don't know if you've noticed, but stuff's a little funky around us. Anybody agree? Like stuff's a little weird that's going on. So I'm like in the prophets going, what is happening? What is going on? God, speak to me through your prophet. Speak to me through your word. And ironically, Jonah is a real interesting prophet in that it's like, but not that guy, right? Because He does the exact opposite, right? He's the prophet actually of all the prophets. So we should be like, what's this joker doing? What are you doing? God gives you a call and a command. In fact, he gives it like, he gives it like no other prophet. He actually says, don't go to the Jews. He says, go to who? The Ninevites. And Jonah's like, don't like that calling. In fact, I'm going to go to the other ends of the earth. I'm going to try to commit suicide to revolt against the plan that God has for me. Why? I hate these people. I don't like God's plan. I don't like these people. And so I'm going to do whatever I can to run away from it. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. It's the largest city at time. Nimrod was the founder, which by the way, isn't that the funniest name for a founder of a city? Nimrod, right? Nimrod was the great grandson of of, of Noah. And he was in the line of Cain, you know, the guy who murdered his brother. And actually the word Nimrod means rebel. So you have this rebel nation that started. it hundred got 120,000 people. It's about 60 miles wide. That's when it says it's a great city. Yes, it's big. Great also means great in destruction, great in sin, great in a lot of other ways, as, as, uh, as your pastor pointed out a couple of weeks ago. And here's the big thing. Jews hated, hated the Assyrians for multiple reasons. But really, these people were terrorists. The vilest of the vile. They did not respect humanity. They did not respect God, Yahweh. And they hated them. And so when Jonah gets this call and commission, he's like, I don't know if I want to do this. And so what you find is similar language that God is having with Jonah over the people of Nineveh that he had with Sodom and Gomorrah. As he sends these angels in to give a warning to the city to say, repent, or there will be destruction. That language is really similar. And Jonah's going, no, 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 no. He's a rebellious servant of God. He's rebellious servant to God's message. God wants to use you and I to do extraordinary things. And as Scott pointed out, oftentimes that's going to run into direct conflict with your comfort, with what you think is right, with what you want to do. So here we have in the very beginning of Jonah's call, uh, Jonah 1, 1 through 2, and it says this, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of uh, Amittah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. That's chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We get into chapter 3, and what do we find again? We're back at that, right? Because now he's he's rebelled. He's turned the other way. He's fallen into the, the ocean. And then he got what? Rescued by a whale, right? A f- great fish grabbed him and rescued him. That was rescue, mercy, rescued him. Spits him on the shore and says, okay, bro, it's time to go. Come to go do what I called you to do. So here's what we find. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah. How many times? The second time. That's, that's really important for us saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it." uh, the message that I tell you. God's mercy in this for Jonah, a second time. And this also tells us something about God. All this whole book really is helping us understand about who we are, who God is. Primarily who God is. And God is somebody, he's going to do what he wants to do, when he wants to do, how he wants to do it, whether we like it or not. Because guess what? I don't know if you know this. We're not God. Right? And Paul's going like, who can understand the mind of God? Who can comprehend his ways? In the midst of him laying out for us the theological framework for everything, Paul's like, I don't know. I don't know why he does the thing he I'm not God. But God gives him a second try. Why? Because God has a plan. Not just for the Ninevites, but he's also got a plan for Jonah. And Jonah's resisting this plan all along the way. Uh, I have three kids. I have a 23-year-old who just got married, so I've officially moved into the old guy category. Uh, I have a 20-year-old uh, son, and I have a 13-year-old daughter. And for the most of our lives, uh, my wife and I, we raised two boys, and we adopted our daughter when she was four. Here's what I am learning. Raising 13-year-old boys versus raising a 13-year-old girl? It's so different, right? I don't know what happened, but the the emotional life of a sweet little 13-year-old girl is like, what is happening in our home right now, right? And so her favorite term is... I know, I know, I know. Do you have a term that your children use or is used that you can go from just being totally chill to wanting to crash a car into a wall or like set your house on fire? That's one of them. I'm like, I am 30, 30 years plus your elder. I have lived three times your life and you know? Are you kidding me? What is going on right now? So her favorite term in the whole world is, I know. And here's what I started to learn. I'm not much different than my 13-year-old daughter. Right? We're not much different than a 13-year-old little girl. We think we know. We think we have it figured out. We think because we have the... uh, Capacity to process that we can somehow tell God how to do his job. He's the one who knit us together in our mother's womb. And he's the one who directs us where to go and what to do, whether we like it or not. God is up to something, whether we like it or not. This is what's going on with Jonah. God is in the business of challenging what we think, which means this that you may end up in the belly of a whale and preaching the gospel to a people you hate most. Welcome to being a Christian. Welcome to following the Lord, his sovereignty. God is sovereign. He's all-knowing. And he is working and he's invited you into it. And the question is, are you joining him where he's working? That's what Blackaby says, very famously. Or resisting it based upon your own bias. And we all have bias, don't we? We have bias about people groups, we have bias about God. We have biases. And those biases get into our brain and convince us that we are right. And we make decisions based upon that and that this book is trying to profit, this book that God put together through this prophet and through this people is trying to confront that. Literally, it's like stand in front of a mirror. Face what's really going on inside of you, inside of your heart. Proverbs 3 says this, trust the Lord with all your heart Lean not unto your own understanding, right? But in all your ways acknowledge who? Him. And what will he do? He'll direct your paths. Pride is the evilest of all sins, according to C.S. Lewis, and according to Scripture. It's the evilest of all sins. Most of us don't consider ourselves prideful people, but we are. And God is exposing this in Jonah, exposing this in us And your story has so much more to do with you than anyone else, which means the boss you have, the spouse you have, the kids you have, the circumstances around you are sovereignly placed there for you. Yes, for the other people, but also for you to learn about you. God wants to teach you about you. And what God is teaching Jonah about Jonah is that he does not like these people and he does not want them saved. But God is going to use him anyway. And he's going to use us anyway. So as he heads into this city, he has this second chance. He has this opportunity. But you can still sense throughout the narrative that he's resisting it. To be honest, want, Jonah wants d- destroyed what God wants to redeem. And I think that's so often true of all of us. And I think the reason why that's so true of all of us is that we love categories. We love categories, don't we? We like that there are winners and there are losers. There are the bad people and there are the good people. We have the blue camp and we have the red camp, right? And if anything we learned during this COVID period of time, this pandemic, is that we are far more divided, we far more like categories than we ever imagined. Masked, unmasked, vaxxed, unvaxxed. And we blew apart local churches as a result of our biases in categories. And it doesn't stop. You would think that we would learn our lessons. We're to be like a city on a hill for the world to see. But because we love these categories, they create a huge dissonance. Jonah is going, those are bad people. We're the good people, right? That's why when we come to like a Ukraine and Russia, we want to go bad and good. Palestine and Israel, bad and good We're wired, hardwired for that kind of division. And here's what I want to preach to you this morning. I want to preach to you bad news. Wait a second, I didn't come to church here. Bad news. (laughs) Bad news is this. Is we have a sin problem. We have a sin problem. And here's what unifies us. As a humanity, is Sin. And our need for saving. Doesn't matter what people group you're a part of. Doesn't matter what evil you've done. See, in Jonah's world, he thinks he's not that bad. Those are the really bad people. We do the same thing. Oh, right now, just pop open your TV and watch what happens inside of your heart. We are doing this all the time. Without realizing the greatest unifying thing that we have is the fact that we are sinful people. We are sinful people in need of a savior. Every single person needs that. And as Jonah enters into Nineveh, he is going to a people that God loves and wants to rescue And Jonah doesn't want to participate in it. And I think so often we don't want to either because we think we're good and we're not. We're not. We're not good. Romans 3, 23 through 25 says this. For all have sinned. All means what? All. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Check this out. And are justified. This is true of all humanity. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he passed over Former sins. Here's what you need to know. God hates sin because he is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah in the presence of God falls down and covers himself. I, woe, he says, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a crooked and perverse generation. That is the right heart that we all should have as we first sit under the banner of God's holiness and as a humanity that relates with one another. Holy, holy, holy is our God and he hates sin. You and I are enemies of God. Romans says, Romans 6 says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. 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 I have to apologize I think for most of my pastoral career I was afraid to teach about sin people don't want to hear about sin people don't want to come to church and hear about sin give me the good stuff how can we hear the good stuff how can we grasp onto good news if we don't understand the bad news my son had cancer when he was eight years old That's bad news. The good news is, is they had a treatment plan, and he's 20 years old now. But we had to deal with the bad news. Nineveh has to deal with the bad news. Jonah has to deal with the bad news. We have to deal with the bad news. And here's the other part of it. Like, we can't, we can't do anything to get this, like, God's not a shyster. He doesn't make deals. Like Ephesians 2 says, what have we done? Isaiah says this, all of our good deeds are as filthy rags before a holy God. Which means we're in a place of going like, I can't earn this. I can't be good enough to get it. There is no good or bad. There's just God. And we don't like that. We resist that. Nineveh. Is helpless without God intervening. Here's what I need you to know this morning. You and I are helpless without God intervening. We are helpless. Jonah's struggling here because he thinks he's good. So often we look at ourselves and we go, I'm good. And what Jesus said to the rich young ruler when he says, good teacher, what does God, what does Jesus say? Only God is good. Only God is good. Only God is good. We need God to intervene. And in this story, through his grace and his mercy, he intervenes. Jonah's message is mind-blowing. It's five words in the Hebrew, and it says this. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. Here's his gospel presentation to the city. You ready for it? It's powerful. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Where's God in the midst of like, he, where's God? I don't see God anywhere represented in this gospel. Pres- where's the grace? Where's the mercy? Where's the love? Nope. 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. This is the worst gospel presentation of all times, <laughs> of all time, which is so interesting to me because what I find with believers, they go, "Oh, well, I'm not evangelist. I'm not good with words. He doesn't need you to be good with words. He just needs you to be obedient. He needs you to go into the city and the spaces and places he called you to and be a light unto the nations for the world to see. He's going to use whatever he wants, however he wants it for his glory. Amen? He wants to use you. Oh, I'm an introvert. I don't use many words. I bet you you can do better than that. I bet you you can do better than that. Your hello to somebody might be the greatest gospel presentation in the world. In the hands of a holy God, he can take that hello and transform hearts. We need to stop pushing ourselves down and telling ourselves that we can't do stuff because God's going to use us in spite of ourselves. Amen? It's not about us. Who's it about? It's about God. He wants to use you to do radical things. But like Jonah, we're like, I'll just kind of do my thing. And God's like, I'll take your thing and I'll multiply it. I keep doing it over and over and over. When will you begin to trust that I want to use you for my glory? I want to use you for my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are a powerful, powerful person. Those of you who have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, you're powerful. You're not weak. You're not weak. He will use a broken, messed up, disobedient prophet to bring the good news. He will take your words and multiply them. We need to stop pushing ourselves down and believing that God wants to do something great. And here's something else that's interesting. Because God is sovereign, He knows the circumstance around everything. Would you agree with that? He's not surprised, right? I always find it interesting, especially in this time, the Christians are so surprised by what's happening in this world, as if God's in heaven going like, nah, I don't know, never saw this one coming. We should just find unbelievable amounts of co- confidence in the context of what he's placing us in in these circumstances in. Because here's what's happening, scholars believe, in Nineveh, that during this time, they had experienced a lot of problems. Famine, they had had an earthquake, They had uprisings. And here's what scholars believe that this is opening the door, fracturing them. The mercy of God, so often we think, is this very delicate thing. Hosea 6 1 says this, another prophet. Come, let's return to the Lord. You ready for this? For he's wounded us so he can heal us, he's broken us so he can bandage our wounds. Aren't you glad that God's in control of both? See, we only think he's on the one side, when in reality, he's in control of it all. Isn't it interesting how we limit God? Circumstantially, things are happening around Nineveh that Jonah has no idea about. He's just been invited to obey God. And it's in this that somehow, the words that Jonah used broke through that city And it says in verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed God. You see, the power wasn't in the presentation. The power was in the presence. God was moving and calling his creation back to himself. I'm going to speak as a pastor here. Do not be afraid of what is happening around you. Be prepared and be present. Do not be afraid. Be prepared. Be present. You are a powerful people. You are a holy nation. The family of God. And you have good news to give. Yeah? God will multiply what you give faithfully as he calls you to do it. And it's probably going to challenge your biases. It's probably going to challenge what you think you should do. My favorite passage in all the Bible is Ecclesiastes seven thirteen. You ready for this? Watch the way that God works and fall in line. Don't fight the ways of God for who can make straight what God has made crooked. I don't know about you, but I want to join God on a curvy path. Straight paths are kind of boring. So predictable. And I know we love predictable. We, I know we love up and to the right. But serving the Lord is an adventure. It's a journey. And God was inviting Jonah on a journey. You know, as I laid there on the ground, you know, I crashed my bike and I woke up and the first thing I saw was an older lady. And I went, I knew it. I knew Heaven was full of old people. I thought I had died. I thought I had died. I thought I died and I knew it. I just knew, I just knew it. I, knew it. I knew it, I knew it. Much respect. And then I saw my dad running down the hill. That was this next thing I saw. I saw him running down the hill. And I thought he was angry. Wouldn't you? His, the aggressiveness in his stance as he's running down. And I thought he's going to get me. he's going to tell me, he's going to point my face. You know, my dad was a stern father and he's going to point my chest and go, you got what you want. You deserve every ounce of this because you chose to disobey me. You get every ounce of this consequence. You better figure out how you get your butt up this hill, but I'm not doing anything for you. I imagined as he was coming towards me, his finger in my chest, as we so often do with God. As we so often think that he's pointing to nations around the world with his finger in their chest, like his finger in the chest of Nineveh. And my father scooped me up. He didn't say a word. He carried me up the hill. He picked the thorns out of my flesh. And the only thing he said was, I'm glad you're okay. Mercy. How much more true is that of God? That's the gospel. That's the good news. This is what's being presented to Nineveh. And God wanted to use Jonah. And God wants to use you. To be the deliverer of that good news into dark places. Not in a condemning matter, but in presenting truth. Sometimes truth can feel condemning, doesn't it? Because there is consequence for sin. And that sin is destruction and death. But there is good news. And what did we find in the people? The Ninevites, they lament. They pour ashes over their head. They fast because of their sin. And then they say in verse 9, who knows? may God turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And here's what we know from Matthew 12:41. The men of Nineveh will rise up, Jesus is saying this. At the judgment with the generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold something greater than Jonah is here. This is Jesus' condemnation to the generation, which says this. Jonah had only been with them for 40 days. And Jesus is like, and I've been with you for three and a half years. And you're missing me. And you're missing me. Repent like the Ninevites did. Repent. Do you know what repentance is? It's a military term. They would do this. They would left, right, left, right. And then they would stop. Repentance. Do you know what that means? turn, turn from your sin. And the Ninevites are like, maybe, we don't know who this God is. Maybe he'll do something. Maybe he'll show up. But here's what we know about our God is that he sent his son Jesus to rescue and ransom a generation and generation and generation that was caught in sin. We don't have to doubt. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be concerned. Because our Jesus is faithful, amen? He showed up. He who knew no sin became sin, so what? We can become the righteousness of God. We now are the carriers of that good news to the world. But we ourselves need to repent. Some of you maybe have never even made a decision to follow this Jesus who loved you, who gave his life for you, not because you did anything to deserve it or because you're bad or you're good, But because he loves you and it's who he is and he rescues and he ransoms and he calls you his children, sons and daughters of the most high God and maybe you need to receive that good news. And those of us who know that good news, maybe we just need to live it out. We gotta stop being afraid. We gotta stop creating these biases in which we point our fingers at people as if they're not loved by God Almighty. Sacrificially loved by God Almighty. May we not commit The same sin that Jonah did. Because where Jonah failed, Jesus succeeded. And he's calling us into that. He's inviting us in to look in the mirror and to face that. My mom uh, left when I was 12 years old uh, with another man. They moved to North Carolina. And my mom wasn't able to get pregnant after she got uh, remarried. And she had put her tubes back together and it just didn't work. And so they decided to foster. And uh, they got this kid. His name was Court. I I think I got a picture of him. This is Court. Court was five years old when they got Court. And Court, now they didn't, I mean, they knew, but they didn't know what to say. But he was on the spectrum. And Court was this kid, man. They used to just read scripture to him and, and let him listen to worship. And my mom said she'd call him in for dinner and he'd go, look, look. He'd always stutter. Linda, Linda. I'm praying to God, you know. So he was just real spicy, and <clears throat> but he had this real beautiful thing that God was using him, and God was speaking to him, and and so my mom, there was this family that came and said they wanted to adopt Court. You know, my mom's just fostering him, and my mom sat with Court and said, Court, you know, you can stay here if you want to stay with us. I mean, and he and he said that that that's not your choice. That's not my choice. And he said, this, this is so important for us. From the mouth of a five year old boy on Spectrum. God gonna do what God gonna do. <laughs> that stuck with me all these years. God gonna do what God gonna do. We could take a little bit of that today, huh? God gonna do what God gonna do. God might send you to a place you don't wanna go. He gonna do what He's gonna do. He's gonna use you where you don't think you want to be used. God gonna do what God gonna do. He's going to convict you of things that you don't want to deal with. God's going to do what God's going to do. And God's going to rescue the world through his only begotten son. Not because we deserve it. Because God's going to do what God's going to do. Look, this book is really important. It's showing us Failure. These are kind of books that every time I come to the Bible, I'm like, I'm so thankful there are books in the Bible like this. Like, I love the book of Job. I can't believe that's in our Bible. I love that we have a Bible that's telling us about Peter denying Jesus. I love that we have a Bible that's telling us the truth about who we are. And it's this, we're oftentimes the rebellious prophet that God has called and asked for us to join And he's going to use us in spite of ourselves. Here's what I want you to do. But I don't know about you. I'd rather be caught up into the mystery of God and join him where he's working as opposed to constantly, constantly rebelling against him. He's going to use me. And his grace and mercy is what covers a multitude of my sins. And he's going to use me. But I think I'd like to enjoy him using me as opposed to resisting him using me. Amen? Amen. And so may we all learn from this prophet May we all learn to grow and be who God's called us to be for his glory and his honor. There is a world that needs us to be who we say we are. The sons and daughters of the most high God who is in absolute control of everything. Let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that you teach us so well. You teach us so well. And we are so grateful that you cover a multitude of our sins. Would you give us wisdom and discernment to be a light into the nations, to see people, to care for people that maybe we struggle with. Convict us of these biases that we have that divide us as a humanity that just needs saving. And so we love you, King Jesus. We thank you for your death and your resurrection. And we anticipate a reunion with all of our brothers and sisters in the presence, in your presence forevermore. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen.